0: Today I thought it would be a great idea to run through a book, just the first chapter. I don't know if we'll even get through the first chapter, depending on how long. Of a book called "Christ Our Righteousness," and yeah, I'm just gonna read through a little bit of it um, and just kind of that. uh, uh, The topic of Christ Our Righteousness is the banner is the theme of the Christian life is the righteousness of Christ is Christ's righteousness that's imputed to the Christian and so it's a really important subject for Christians to for me to know for Christians to know for everyone the world to know about this this specific theme and this specific topic is to understand that um, righteousness can be attained Yes, it can be attained, but it can be found only in Christ. And so, I have my Bible here, and I have this book here, and I'm going to start reading, and then I'll just stop stop as the Lord leads me to mention a few things um, as I read. This specific book is by A.G. Daniels. Um. Okay. So Part 1 is called the Annunciation not the the annunciation, the annunciation in scripture. So part 1. And chapter 1 is called Christ our righteousness. And there's three verses on the left side of the page here. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness. Psalm chapter 11, verse 7. There is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm chapter 92, verse 15. And finally, awake to righteousness and sin not. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 34. Christ our righteousness is the one sublime message set forth in the sacred scriptures. However, uh, However varied the forms and phrases in which this message may be unfolded and presented, yet always from every point of the circle, the central commanding theme is Christ our righteousness. The account of creation reveals the marvelous wisdom and power of Christ, by whom all things were created. And that's in Colossians chapter 1 verses 14 through 16. The sin of the first Adam, with all its awful consequences, is related in order that Christ, the last Adam, may be hailed as Redeemer and Restorer. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 21. Death, with all its terrors, is set before us, that Christ may be exalted and glorified as the life-giver. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. The disappointments, sorrows, and tragedies of this life are recounted, that Christ may be sought as the great Comforter and Deliverer. And that's John chapter 16, verse 33. I'm actually led to just read that really quick. I know I didn't read the other ones before it, but I'm just going to jump to that quickly. John chapter 16 verse 33. Can get to it here. John chapter 16, verse 33. These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. Our sinful, corrupt natures are presented in lurid colors that Christ may be appealed to for cleansing and may, be very, and may be in very deed unto us the Lord our righteousness. Thus it is throughout the sacred volume every phase of truth unfolded points in some way to Christ as our righteousness. But righteousness as a distinct, well-defined subject of vital importance occupies a large place in the word of god its source its nature the possibility of its being obtained by sinners and the conditions upon which it may be secured are set forth in great clearness in that original authoritative textbook on righteousness and of course the original authoritative textbook on righteousness is of course the holy bible of the source of righteousness we read O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. Daniel chapter 9, verse 7. And the Lord is righteous in all his ways. Psalm chapter 145, verse 17. And thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Psalm chapter 36, verse 6. And thy righteousness is in everlasting righteousness. Psalm chapter 119, verse 142. The righteous Lord loveth righteousness, Psalm chapter 11, verse 7. And there is no unrighteousness in him, Psalm chapter 92, verse 15. Regarding the nature of righteousness, the scriptures are most explicit. It is set forth as the very opposite of sin and is associated with holiness or godliness. Awake to righteousness and sin not first corinthians chapter fifteen verse thirty four that ye may put away as concerning your former manner of life the old man which waxeth corrupt after the lust of deceit, and that ye be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which after God hath been created in righteousness and holiness of truth, it's ephesians chapter four verse 22 through 24. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and in truth. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. And all unrighteousness is sin. 1 John chapter 5, verse 17. Perhaps the finest and most inspiring statement regarding righteousness in all the Word of God is the following concerning Christ. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And that's in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. This places righteousness as the antithesis, the direct opposite of iniquity or sin. Thus, the Word declares that God is the source of righteousness and that it is the one of His divine, holy attributes. That it is one of His divine, holy attributes. So when we think of righteousness, we think of God, because God alone he is righteous the supreme question regarding the righteousness of god the question of the deepest interest and consequence consequence to us is our personal relation to that righteousness is righteousness in any degree in any degree sorry inherent in human nature? So do we naturally compose this righteousness is the question? If so, how may it be cultivated and developed? If not, is there any way of obtaining it? If so, by what means and when? So how are we to attain to this righteousness? You know, how, what does that look like? He goes on, to the mind untaught and unenlightened by the word of God, This is a great, dark, baffling problem. In endeavoring to solve it, man has surely sought out many inventions. But uncertainty and confusion regarding our relation to the righteousness of God are quite unnecessary, for the true situation is clearly stated in the scripture of truth. The scriptures declare that, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And that we are carnal, sold under sin. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. And that there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. And that in our flesh there dwelleth no good thing. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. And finally, that we are filled with all unrighteousness. Romans chapter one, verse twenty-nine. This clearly answers the question as to whether righteousness is in any degree inherit inherit in human nature. It is not. On the contrary, human nature is filled with unrighteousness. And you see that. Our world, we have been, we're brought into a world where everything around us, it's meant to cultivate unrighteousness. Everywhere you look, everywhere you go, everywhere you, everything you hear, everything you are told or taught, everything for the most part has to do with unrighteousness. It has to do with, or else it's telling, it's whoever it may be, is telling us that the righteousness is already in ourselves apart from God when the scripture says, the Bible says that that's not true. Natural righteousness is not in ourselves. It goes on. But in this same word, we find the good, glad news that God has provided a way by which we may be cleansed from our unrighteousness and be clothed and filled with his perfect righteousness. We find that this provision was made and revealed to Adam as soon as he fell from his high and holy state, you know, in the garden of Eden. This merciful provision has been understood and laid hold of by fallen, unrighteous man. Sorry, let me re-say that. This righteous provision has been understood and laid hold of by fallen unrighteous men and women from the very beginning of the fierce, unequal conflict with sin. This we learn from the following testimonies recorded in the Scriptures. Number one, in one of his sermons, Christ refers to the second son of Adam and speaks of him as righteous Abel. Matthew chapter 23, verse 35. And Paul declares that Abel obtained witness that he was righteous. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Number 2 The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And that was Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. Again, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And that's Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. Number three, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. Number four, and delivered righteous Lot, sore distressed by the lascivious life of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them in seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their lawless deeds. That's second Peter chapter 2, 2, verse 7 and verse 8. Number five. Of Zacharias and Elizabeth, living just before the birth of Christ, it is said, they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. And finally, point number six. The Apostle Paul declares that the Gentiles to whom he had preached the gospel had attained to righteousness. Romans chapter 3 verse 30 and chapter 6 verses 17 through 22. Thus it is seen that from the promise made to Adam to the close of apostolic times there were men and women all along the way who laid hold of the righteousness of God and had the evidence that their lives were pleasing to him. So basically what he's saying is there is a way to be righteous. We see all throughout the Holy Bible that there are examples set forth for us that these people have had that righteousness. They've attained to that righteousness. They've God says multiple times as we just went over those six points of people being righteous in his eyes, in his sight. And so, yes, in and of ourselves, you know, if it's just up to us, no, righteousness is not possible. But God is saying, God is saying through him, righteousness is attainable. Righteousness is possible. So that's basically what he's saying here. And we have that wonderful testimony from the Bible to say, to say so. So upon what conditions may this righteousness be attained? How was this accomplished? Upon what conditions was this wonderful transaction wrought? Was it because the times and conditions in which these men and women lived were favorable to righteousness? Or was it due to the special and superior qualities inherent in those who reached the high tablelands of godliness? So basically what he's saying is, is it because we're special? Is, as a question... All the records of times and of individuals give a negative answer. They were people with natures like our own, and their environment vexed their righteous souls from day to day, Second Peter 2, verse 7 and 8. They obtained the priceless blessing of righteousness in one way, the only way. It has been possible for any human being to secure it since Adam sinned. All the way back to the garden, there's always been that way of righteousness for man to walk in. The way of being made righteous is given great prominence in the New Testament. The clearest and fullest exposition is found in the epistle of Paul to the Romans. At the very beginning of his argument, the apostle declares, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God of God." unto salvation to everyone that believeth. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17. It is the gospel that reveals to men the perfect righteousness of God. That's our answer. It's the gospel that reveals that righteousness. The gospel also reveals the way that righteousness may be attained by sinful men, namely by faith. This is presented at greater length in the following statement. Get my glove off. By the deeds or the works of the law, there shall no flesh be justified or accounted righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law or outside of is manifested. Being witnessed... Oh, quite windy. Nice wind. But now the righteousness of God without the law or the works of the law, outside of the law, is manifested, being witnessed or approved or accepted by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. And that's Romans chapter 3, verse 20 through 22. In the first part of this statement, the apostle shows the part which the law takes in the problem of justification see the law we don't perform the works of the law or do the works of the law to attain to righteousness he's making it clear and the scripture makes it very clear that the law points out our shortcomings the law points out our sin and he goes on well he kind of repeats what i say here in the first part of the statement uh oh i just read that okay so by the law is the knowledge of sin the knowledge of sin, not the deliverance from sin. There's a big difference. The law points out sin. In so doing, declares the whole world to be guilty before God. And we just learned earlier that all have fallen short. There is not, there is not one good. No, not one. There is none good. And the law, the Ten Commandments, points out. That the entire world, the entire world, is in sin, is is sinning and sinners. But the law cannot deliver from sin. No effort of the sinner to obey the law can cancel his guilt or bring to him the righteousness of God. So nothing that I can do, if I try to obey the law in my own strength to earn the righteousness of God... It's, it's an impossibility. The law points out our sin. The law, the law shows us where we need to be cleansed. The righteousness, he goes on, the, that righteousness, Paul declares, is by faith of Jesus Christ, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation, which is an atoning sacrifice, through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God. That's Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 25. It is through faith in the blood of Christ that all the sins of the believer are canceled and the righteousness of God is put in their place to the believer's account. Oh, what marvelous transaction! What a manifestation of divine love and grace! Here is a man born in sin, And as Paul says, he is filled with all unrighteousness. His inheritance of evil is the worst imaginable. His environment is at the lowest depths known to the wicked. In some way, the love of God, shining from the cross of Calvary, reaches that man's heart. He yields, repents, confesses, and by faith claims Christ as his Savior. This is the gospel. The instant that is done, he is accepted as a child of God. His sins are all forgiven. His guilt is canceled. He is accounted righteous and stands approved, justified before the divine law. And this amazing, miraculous change may take place in one short hour. This is the righteousness by faith. Having made these clear, forceful statements as to the way of being made righteous, the Apostle then illustrates the truth declared by a concrete case. He takes the experience of Abraham as an example. What shall we say then, that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found? Romans chapter 4 verse 1. Anticipating his answer, we reply, Abraham had found righteousness. By how? By what method? Paul tells us. If Abraham were justified, accounted righteous by works, he hath whereof the glory, but not before God. Romans chapter 4 verse 2. Made righteous by works is a suggestion, a proposal, if such a thing could be. Is that the way by which to attain Righteousness. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it, his belief, was counted unto him for righteousness. Romans chapter 4, verse 3. This statement settles forever the way by which Abraham obtained God's righteousness. It was not by works, okay, not by works. It was by faith. And so, I'm going to stop there for now, because this is getting to be a pretty long video. But I'm going to actually make another video, and I'll continue to read to read on to... The next section is, Abraham's Way, the Only Way. So the way that Abraham was to follow, we are to follow. But I'll make that the next video. Um, I'm going to put my glove on, because it's pretty cold. It's a beautiful, crisp uh, day. But the scripture is so clear that we are justified by faith. It is not the works of the law that makes a man righteous. It is not the performance that a man can do or give to God that earns merit or favor or right standing with God. Now, the Bible makes it clear, as we just read and as the verses were pointed out, that Righteousness is, a, is attainable through the gospel. Righteousness is attainable through the cross of Calvary, what Christ has done uh, 2,000 years ago on the cross for us, for you and for me. And the conditions by which is laid out in the Bible to attain to that righteousness, to have that righteousness imputed to us, through Christ is to put on Christ it's to accept it's to realize that we have fallen short it's to repent of our sins it's to come before God in humility and in with a contrite heart and a contrite spirit to say God I don't I don't have the answers within myself it takes humility to do that it takes it takes a a selflessness to do so and to come before God and say God I don't have this righteousness I don't have this goodness in myself I need it to be given to me and I want to trust in Jesus in my Savior in my Redeemer and trust that He will rescue me and He'll wash away my sins and that by that through faith in the Son of God He will instantly He will Wash away your sins, and and He will grant you that gift, free gift of eternal life. And that, it is by faith. That is how it is granted. That is how righteousness is attained for the Christian. The scripture says, as we we read, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Okay, it's it's apart from the works of the law. It's outside of the works of the law that man is justified in God's sight. And as we will continue to read this book, um, we will show what, you know, it, I think it, it goes on to talk about, uh, you know, what the faith looks like once we've accepted that gift and once we've, uh, which, once we know what what salvation is, that it's a free gift, once we've accepted that, but that cannot be, that point cannot be said enough that, Christ is the righteousness that we may obtain. That it's His righteousness, it's His merits that gets imputed to us. Uh, that gets imputed to us. It is not us doing things to gain righteousness, it is Christ imputing and imparting. And giving His righteousness to us, but that is such an important point. If someone misunderstands that point, it's a—it's really it's a grave error. And it's one of the main themes of the Bible is God's righteousness imputed to the Christian by faith. And so I hope you enjoyed this video. And uh, yeah, it's getting chilly out here, but I praise the Lord for a beautiful day, and um, and just a beautiful opportunity to read this this book and just to dwell and think about the righteousness of God um, and to make sure that we're, I'm understanding it properly and that we're all understanding it properly so that we know what is right, you know, what the Word says. Um, but yeah, and I also found this, I was just asking the Lord, you know, Lord, where would be a good spot to uh, sit and to you know, film this video and to, um, you know, where would be a good spot and I came to this, I was, you know, walking through the woods and was asking for his guidance and he I saw this log and I'm like oh that's perfect and it's it was nice and uh, you know set up as a nice little bench and so I just threw a little blanket over it and it worked really nice so I'm thankful for this bench but yes I hope you're blessed I hope you enjoyed leave a comment if you have questions or you have anything you want to share leave a comment below I will I reply to all my comments and um, I will not leave you hanging in that aspect. So, thanks for watching, and I pray you have a blessed day. God bless you. Bye.